Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. But we're in this series, Established, and the, the root verse of this series is Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7. Uh, we hope that you have memorized this by the end of this series, but it says, So then, just as you have received Jesus Christ as Lord, if you haven't yet received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. It says, continue to walk in Him. That salvation is a one-time thing, but... Uh, Walking in a relationship with God is an every single day kind of thing. Like God's always changing us. God's always moving. God's always speaking, shifting us. He said, here's how we're going to do it. By being rooted and built up in him. And everyone say the word. Established in the faith. Established means set, secure, stable, unshakable. And that's our hope that for every single person that engages with Red Rocks Church, that this would be the kind of faith that you experience, right? That, that's rooted, that's built up, that's established, that's unshakable. Don't we all want that? That's what we want for you as a church. And that's why we've done this series, Established. And we have four pillars of this series that we've been talking through. And you're going to start hearing us as a church uh, use these phrases a lot more. Uh, but if we put those slides up, so our goal for this series and our goal for you, if you want to engage with Red Rocks Church, is that you would experience God, that you would find family, discover purpose, and then ultimately that you would make a difference. Now, I, I think the first few of these, if you haven't listened to the series, go back. This is really important to hear these. The first three are a little bit more uh, internally focused. The fourth one, though, is the one that puts the whole uh, piece of the puzzle, it puts the whole thing together. It's more outward focused. And the reality is, is that last one is the thing that every single one of us deep down, we really desire. And it's the thing that deep down God wants for us more than anything else on this planet after we experience him. And so today we're going to talk about making a difference. But I'm going to spend the, the, the bulk of my message trying to create a compelling argument of why you need to make a difference. And then for all you practical people, at the end, I'll give you a few nuggets of, of some things that you can do to walk that out practically of how you can make a difference. But today, to do this, I'm going to be preaching out of 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. And the writer of 1 and 2 Peter is John. Could you imagine if it was? No, it's Peter, okay? Peter was an apostle of Christ, okay? He was a disciple of Christ. He, he walked with Jesus. He was a, a key figure in the Gospels. He was a key figure in the book of Acts. And, and every author has an audience. And so who Peter is writing to is he's writing to persecuted Christians who live in these five major regions. And so he's writing to these Christians to strengthen them and to prepare them and ultimately to encourage them to continue to walk out in the plan that Jesus placed with them 30 years before Peter wrote this, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11. Are you ready? Y'all, we're going to get in the Word today. I feel it. All right, here we go. It says this. The end of all things is near. All right, Peter, here we go. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. God, we need to move your spirit today. Could preach the best message ever heard. But if your Holy Spirit isn't present, it means nothing. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you to this place. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Question, have you ever lost something of great value to you? Like your phone, your keys, your wallet, right? You will turn a place upside down trying to find that lost thing. You, you want to see a deranged human being take their phone and hide it and go watch them search for their phone, right? Like when you've lost something, all you can think about is the lost thing. Like you're not thinking about your found things, right? You're like, if you're looking for your phone, you're not like, well, there's my refrigerator. At least I got my refrigerator. Come on. No, you are distracted by that of which is lost, okay? So a couple years ago, it was a couple summers ago, I was at my house, me and my son were there, and, and, and my wife was gone, our daughter wasn't yet born, and, and so I had to mow the lawn, and I enjoy mowing the lawn, that's fun, but my son was there, I'm like, hey, Abram, I need you to just hang out with dad, wherever I'm at, I just need you to kind of sit a little bit of distance away while daddy mows the lawn, he's like, okay, cool, and so I go, to, we mow the, the, the back, and then we go to the front, and, and I'm mowing the front, he's sitting on, on our little porch, it's at our old house, he's sitting on, on our porch, but there's this portion of our yard, it's on the side of our house. And so I don't want him getting too close to the mower. So I'm like, hey, bud. I'm like, dad's gonna go over to the side of the house and mow. I need you to sit right here on the porch and do not move. He's like, okay. And so I'm, I'm like, Abe, for real, do not, are you gonna move? He's like, no, I'm not gonna move. I'm like, okay, for real though. And so I start going, I'm like, Abe, and he's just looking at me. So I literally, I go down one perfect line, have you, in my yard, down the side of my house. Probably had it been 10 seconds, and I come back, and my son is gone. And all I'm thinking at this point is, like, my wife's going to kill me. Like my, and, and just so you know, she has not heard this story, so please don't share this with her. And babe, if you're listening, I will uh, set up a spot on the couch tonight. But so... I, I, I go, and, and my son's nowhere to be found. And I start yelling, Abram, Abram. And I'm, I don't hear anything. And you know, as parents, you, you know, you have these little panic moments like, did I actually lose? You know? And so I, I, I go to the backyard, and, and, and he's not in the backyard. And, and the back door is closed. And I open up the back door into the house. And I just start yelling Abram's name. I'm in the kitchen. I'm yelling his name. I hear nothing. I'm like, okay, here we go. So I, 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 I go out into the backyard, and I go down the side of the house, and I'm yelling his name. I can't hear him anywhere. And then all of a sudden, I hear, Dad! And I turn around behind me. He is dressed up in a full Spider-Man costume. He's going, <laughs> He, like, snuck into the house and went and put a Spider-Man costume on. 
freaked me out. Like I, I thought in that moment, I thought that I had lost the most valuable thing to me and I was gonna stop at nothing until I found that. Can I tell you that this is how God feels about his lost children? Can I tell you that God obsesses over his lost children? Listen, if you're sitting in this room today at any of our, one of our campuses online or you're at God Behind Bars and you don't have a relationship with God, can I tell you that God is obsessing over you? I, I heard this from Pastor Chris Hodges. He gave this thought once that, that God loves his found children. Like God loves to, to bless and show favor to his found children. Can I tell you that, that God looks down on us today, seeing us worship, seeing us be in his word, be in communion with one another. He absolutely loves it. Scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Okay, but can I tell you that God's not up in heaven looking down and saying, those are my Christians. Good job, y'all. Look at you. Those are my non-Christians. Ooh. No, can I, can I tell you that God looks down and he sees all of his children, and he loves them all. And he says, I got some found ones, and I got some lost ones, but I'm laser focused on my lost ones. Listen, how do we know that God is focused on his lost children? Because it's why he sent Jesus. John 3, 16, for God so loved the what? The world, the entire world. The worst possible person you can think of on this planet and the best possible person you can think of on this planet, that God loved them all, that he sent Jesus Christ for all to pay the ransom for our sin, that through our faith in him, we can have a better life here on earth and for eternity in heaven, that Jesus was obsessed with the lost, that all throughout scripture, you see Jesus. He went out of his way to seek and to save the lost. Luke 19, 10, it says, for the son of man, Jesus, came to seek and save the what? The lost. In Matthew, some Pharisees are talking to the disciples of Jesus. And like, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus overhearing this, he says, because it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick who need a doctor. That Jesus went out of his way to seek and to save the lost, even went so far into to Luke chapter 15, and he tells three parables about lost things. He tells a parable about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And the moral of the story is, I will leave the found things to go find the lost things. The last thing that he says in Luke chapter 15 is, let's celebrate for this son of mine that was once lost is now found. Amen. Listen, God sent Jesus to this earth to launch a giant search and rescue mission. And can we remind ourselves that Jesus successfully completed that mission that, that Jesus did on this earth, what God sent Jesus to do, that Jesus made the ultimate difference, that Jesus made the ultimate eternal difference. But the second that he completed his mission and before he ascended into heaven, he handed the baton to you and I. I have completed my mission. Now it is your turn to continue in the mission. Because after Jesus was crucified and he resurrected, he appeared before his disciples for about 40 days. And one of the final things that he said to his disciples was what? Go and make disciples. Go impact the world. Go influence the world. Go and make a difference. Now, if you can imagine, if, if you're a disciple and you're sitting in that room and Jesus says, Yo, go and make disciples, baptizing them. If you're a disciple, you're like, yeah, kind of, that sounds a little difficult because like Jesus, like you're, you're like the guy though. You're the face. You're the preacher. You're the, you're the way maker, miracle worker, 
light in the darkness. That is who you are, right? Like, that's who you are. Like, that, that, that's what you do. And Jesus is like, oh, don't you worry about it. We've already thought through that because you're not going to be alone. And just a, a little bit later in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Saying whatever city you live in, whatever county you live in, whatever state you live in, whatever region you live in, whatever country, continent, everywhere you place your feet, you are to be my witnesses. And don't you worry because the power of the Holy Spirit, which gives you authority and confidence and strength and a sound mind will go with you to accomplish the things that I have called you to go do. That God has partnered with us through the Holy Spirit to continue this. Isn't that powerful? Like the creator of the universe says, I want to partner with you, broken human being. I want to partner with you and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to go accomplish the things that I have called you to do. Listen, once you experience God, once you say yes to Jesus, you say, I've given my life to him. I'm going to follow him. You have now been drafted into his army. You have just involved yourself in this fight to seek lost people, to be witnesses, to make disciples, to make a difference. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And don't you worry because the Holy Spirit is going to walk with you every single step of the way, which gives you authority to do the things that I've called you to do. Amen. Amen. Listen, can I remind you that the ultimate mission mandate and the responsibility of the church of Jesus Christ, which is all of us, okay? Red Rocks Church is one branch of the global church, but we're, we're, we're one body, many parts. Every single person, we are the body of Jesus Christ. Like We all have a role to play that every single one of us, the church of Jesus Christ, we are to help people who are far from God experience God. That's why we exist. It's the mission of the global church. But I don't think I've proved my point enough. Do you know why you and I should take personal responsibility? Do you know why you and I should involve ourselves in this fight? Because there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Come on. Let, 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 it, let it sit with you. When, when was the last time you, you, you sat there with your lost friends, your lost coworkers, and, 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 and you had this thought in your mind that only through Jesus Christ and salvation through Jesus Christ can we experience eternity with him, that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun, that this is real, it's not a game, that every single day lives are being lost. That every single day there are people in our home and our family and at the gym and people that we're very close to that have lost life, that have lost hope, that have lost the will to live, right? We live in a hurting and broken world like we've really never experienced before, but we have the antidote. We have the solution. The, the, the greatest message on the planet that the church is the hope of the world, the greatest evangelistic tool on the planet, a grace dispensing machine. Our lead pastor always says this, that the church is not here for us. We are the church and we're here for the world. A couple years ago, I was at uh, our young adult ministry on Thursday night, seven o'clock. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you. You guys know me. 
But I, I, was, I, was, at, I was at a service, and, and after service, I, I would stand in the lobby, and I, I always try to like, shake every single person's hand. I want to say bye. Thanks for coming. And this girl walks up to me, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And she's like, great. She was like, tonight was my first time. I'm like, that's amazing. I'm like, what'd you think? I'm like, did you enjoy it? She's like, not really. <sighs> and then I, I kid you not, she says this. She said, are the sermons here always this shallow? Y'all, guess who preached that night? <laughs> Yours truly, okay? I was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> and so, and then she continues. She says, you know, she's like, I've been trying out a lot of churches lately. And it seems that the sermons at every church is extremely shallow. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, Andrew, chill out, relax, breathe your pastor, okay? <laughs> but I had this moment and I don't know if this is out of, out of uh, the heart of Jesus or the heart of mine, but I said, hey, when was the last time you invited someone to church? And she was like, I don't know. And I didn't say this to her, but what I wanted to say and what I thought was like, you have missed it. You, you have missed the purpose of church. Can, can, I, can I help you understand what church is and what church is not. I want you to think about this for a moment, okay? I want you to think about like this service that you're in right now, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening. I want you to think about this service as the, the locker room before you go out to the game, okay? And like, if you ever played sports in the locker room, that's where you get taped up, okay? Right, like you, you get some things a little bit broken and get your tape back up, right? It's where you get hydrated, right? It's where you get the game plan. It's where you get inspiration. It's where you have the bumping mu music where you're like, oh, here we go, baby, right? It's the place that fires you up that inspires you but you got to go out into the real world into the real game and go execute it listen do you know what the, the job of a pastor is my, my job as a pastor that the pastors that are on staff here our job is to equip the saints for the work of Jesus Christ that you come into this room and we want you to have community experience God worship like we want you to have a great powerful experience but the goal then is to deploy you out into the world to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ that's why this passage that Peter writes I think is so powerful because it puts responsibility onto the believer he, he gives a, a, a why and he gives a, a how as well and I want you to think about this for a moment. Peter was just like you and I. Peter was once lost and then he was found. Peter was a fisherman. And Jesus came across him and says, hey, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Okay, Jesus, he's dope with his words, like a wordsmith, okay? And, and, and Peter, he, he's like, that sounds awesome. I'll, I'm gonna follow you. And so Jesus, Peter walks with Jesus for three years. He, he hears the teachings of Jesus. He watches the miracles of Jesus. Peter was standing right there when Jesus gave the great commission. Like he, he saw it with his own two eyes. He heard it with his own two ears, right? Peter, he, he was in the room when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples. He saw Jesus crucified, experienced resurrected Jesus. He heard Jesus say that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So Peter, he's coming at this with a much greater picture and a much larger vision of why followers should engage themselves in this fight. And he says this to kick off. He says, the end of all things is near. I promise you, Peter, if he was here, he wouldn't be the guy who's standing on the street corner with the sign, like, turn to burn, baby. No, this isn't apocalyptic literature. 
Peter here is referring to Christ's return. So he's saying, look, Jesus will be returning for his bride. It says in Revelation that Jesus will be returning for his bride. Okay, we don't know when Jesus will be coming back. Even Jesus doesn't know when he'll be coming back, okay? But we do know a couple things that he is coming back, that our days ahead are not guaranteed, so we must be prepared. And so Peter is saying the end of all things is near is him trying to give a sense of urgency for all of his followers. And he has a sense of urgency because Peter, he knows what's at stake, and so the end of all things is near. I want, you to give, I want to give you two thoughts when it comes to that passage. Number one is this, that our time here on earth is short. If we've learned anything in the past couple years, we have seen that over and over and over again in our world. James 4.14 says, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The Psalm of Moses in Psalm 90.12, he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Whatever you think you have plenty of, you tend to waste. If there's something that you think you have very little of, you will use it wisely. Unless you're my wife and it comes to our finances and she's at Target and then all rules are out the window. But listen, if you think you have plenty of time, you will waste your time. If you think your time is limited, then you will make the most of your life. Our time here on earth is short. And so secondly, we got to make the most out of every opportunity. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, be careful then how you live. Like, think about it. Be mindful. Don't just be whimsical in how you live and how you show up in every single environment of your life. Like, think about it. Be cognizant of, of how you're engaging the world. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The Greek word for opportunity is kairos. And that word means window of opportunity. Can I tell you that I believe that we live in the greatest window of opportunity to make a difference in the history more than any other generation before us? Because listen, right now, more people exist than ever before. And because of technology, more people right now are hearing and accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ more than any other generation before us, that there's never been a greater time in history for the church of Christ to be the church of Christ. Amen. Listen, what would our approach be to life, to lost people, to the kingdom of God if we really approached our life believing that the, the days are, are numbered and the lives are at stake? I think that we'd approach life with a much higher sense of urgency on the things that God calls us to do and the people that he calls us to be. So Peter says the end of all things is near. Like any great communicator or, or writer, he creates this tension that makes people like, oh, snap, I better lean in now. Like, what do you got to say now? He's like, okay, the end of all things is near. So here's what we got to do. Are you ready? So he says this in verse seven. He says, therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. Got to be alert, sober-minded. That's, that's why like fasting, praying, engaging with the word of God is so important because it sobers us up. It, it makes us clear-minded. Like every place that you go to, be sober-minded so that you may be able to pray and be ready. And then it says, above all, here's the foundation of what I'm about to tell you. Love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. If we're to make a difference like Jesus made a difference, then we have to lead like Jesus led. Jesus showed up in every single environment, every conversation, every miracle, at the cross, the resurrection afterwards, with the foundation that was a heart of love and of service. 
Your life would change flat out in every aspect of your life if you decide that I'm gonna show up like Jesus showed up. I know these people drive me nuts, I hate my job, but I'm gonna show up with a foundation that has a heart that is filled with love and service. And watch your life just change flat out from that. You'll find plenty of purpose just in that principle. He says, so here's our foundation. He says, okay, now each of you, we all got a role to play, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Peter here, he's not given an exhaustive list of all the things that you could do to make a difference. He's just saying, listen, whatever you do have, use it to make a difference. Like, use it to serve people, to love people, to bring hope to the world, to bring hope to your workplace, to bring hope to your family, to encourage people. But notice something here. It says, be faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. This is important. In other words, the good things in your life were given to you out of God's grace. Come on. Every good thing that you have experienced in your life is because God has given it to you out of his grace, not because you deserved it, not because you earned it. I was at coffee with a really successful friend not too long ago. He said, I finally began to realize that I'm not a self-made man, that I'm a God-made man. It began to change his life. He started to see that in James 1.17, that every good and perfect gift is from above. Can I remind you that everything good in your life that God has entrusted the things to you that he cares deeply about, that he cares deeply about your time, your treasures, your talents, your resources, your job, your story. He has taken the things that he cares deeply for and he has entrusted them into your care. Okay, entrust means to take something that you care about and put it into the care of someone else's hands. Right, like when me and my wife, we go on a date night. We have a babysitter coming over. We're saying, hey, we will be back. But while we are gone, we're taking the thing that is most precious to us and we are putting them into your hands to steward, to watch over, to care for, to protect. We will be back. But while we're gone, we are entrusting them into your care. So listen, God has taken the things that he cares deeply about. And he says, I will be back. Jesus Christ will be back, whether it's while you're still living or after, but either way, Jesus will be back. And he says, while I'm gone, I am renting these good things to you for you to steward. Paul said to Timothy, he said, Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to you. A couple chapters later, he says, guard the good deposit that has been entrusted to you, that, 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 that God has deposited good things into your life, talents, treasures, your story, even though broken, is beautiful and God wants to use it, that he has entrusted all these things into your care and you are to be a good steward. How? By using them for his purposes. It's not that difficult for us to begin to see how we're supposed to involve ourselves in this fight. Let me ask you a question. What has God entrusted into your care? Like what the family, your spouse, your kids, your job, your coworkers, your finances, your resources, your career, your story. What are the things that God has entrusted to you? In other words, I want you to ask yourself, and I, I, honestly, I'd like you to take this serious because I, th I think this could be really powerful for you. If you put up these three questions right here, 
I want you to ask yourself these three questions. You can screenshot this, but, but do it today or, or when you get home. Like, where has God placed you? What has he placed in you? And who has he placed with you? Like, you, you write those down, and, and you write five, six things under each one of those, you'll start to see, oh, my Lord, the Lord has entrusted me with so much. So we have to ask ourselves, what do I have, and am I leveraging them for eternal purposes? What do I have? What has God entrusted into my care, and am I leveraging them for eternal purposes, for kingdom purposes? When I was 21 years old, I, I moved out here to Red Rocks to intern, and it was going to be a summer internship, and then fast forward 12 years, I'm still here, hey. But a, a, a few months into my internship, uh, I was 22 years old, and, and they hired me as, as one of the youth pastors, and we had like 25 kids in our youth ministry at that point. And, and I remember just not really knowing uh, what to do, but all I knew is like I had this deep, deep conviction because I was once a lost teenager around a bunch of other lost teenagers, and I just remember being like, man, I, I wish that there were certain people because there was people in my life who would have in, engaged with me. And I, all I knew when I was a youth pastor was just, I want to reach teenagers for Christ. There's a lot of lost teenagers. I want to reach them. And kids weren't really coming through the doors. I'm like, clearly I'm not a good enough speaker. Like, they, they don't care about any of this. I'm like, I got to figure out how to go reach teenagers. And so I got this idea. I'm like, okay, I'm a meathead. All right. I just got done playing college football. Okay. I know how to lift weights. Okay. I may not know how to preach, but I know how to lift weights. Okay. Like I, 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 I know I'm, I was a linebacker. I know how to do linebacker drills. I'm like, okay, I think that I might be able to use this and go reach students. And so I, I call the local high school, Golden High School, and, and I call the coach. And I'm like, hey, listen, I am free labor. Is there any way that I could come and just be like a, a weightlifting coach or just be around? He said, absolutely. Free labor. Come on. So three days a week, I went to this high school, and I lifted with the guys every single day. And then I, I, would, I would go to their practices, and I started traveling with them to their games. And I had this goal in mind when I went. I was like, I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. I'm just going to be a, a, a great source of encouragement. I'm just going to be different. And I sat with the kids, and I got to learn their stories, and, and God just started opening up these doors, and, and I just kind of gave what I had, and but then we decided to have this outreach event for our youth ministry. And I was like, man, I got to get these, these kids here. Like, this is so, I got to get them here. And so I, I had this idea, me and J.B. Powell, the other youth pastor, were like, okay, what if we do a hot dog eating contest for the football players of Golden? And so I went to the coach, and I'm like, hey, is there any way that we could, we could do this? He said, whatever. Not a believer at all. He's like, whatever, you can invite them after practice to your event tonight. And so sure enough, like I, I'm like, hey, we got a hot dog eating contest, 150 bucks, maybe 75. We'll see when you get there. <laughs> We'd love to have you guys tonight. It's just down the road. I'll never forget, I'd set up the whole night. We had all these volunteers come. We set up the whole night. I wasn't really expecting much. 20 of those football players walked in. Did the hot dog eating contest, the whole thing. I didn't preach that night. Somebody else preached, but... I'll never forget, I was standing in the back while the speaker gave a, a call to accept Jesus Christ and eight of those students, eight of those football players raised their hand to accept Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. I was a 22-year-old knucklehead. I, I, I didn't know how to, how to do ministry. I didn't know really how to, how to like explain the word of God very well, but I just knew that God had given me gifts, that God had given me a story, God had given me abilities, 
And I just wanted to use those and be faithful stewards of that. And then God showed up. God saved. I just kind of helped prepare the table and set the table for it, right? Can I tell you that God has placed you in the place that you're in with the people that you're with, with the abilities that you have for divine purpose so you can make a difference now? Can, can I tell you that, that God's not expecting you to use that of which you do not have? I think a lot of us are, are traveling and, and searching like, man, whenever I get like the right gifts, the right, right opportunities, God's not asking you to use that of what you do not have. He's saying, what have I given you? And begin to use that now and why? What I love that Peter starts the passage powerfully and then he ends it even more powerfully. He says this, so that in all things God may be praised through Christ Jesus. That we use the things that God has given us so that all glory, attention, and praise may be directed towards Jesus Christ. We don't use our gifts just for the sake of good, but for the sake of Christ. We don't just use the things that God has given us just to help people, but to bring heaven to people. Amen. That's the goal of believers, to bring heaven to earth. God's will for us is to make a difference, but it won't happen by accident. It'll happen through intentionality. And so I was trying to think through, like, okay, how, how can I really help people to, to think about how to make this very easy and practical? So I want to throw these four things when it comes to, to how you, you could use your gifts to begin to influence the world around you, to begin to make a difference. And, and here it is. I'll stay on this side. Someone, you should have told me. <laughs> Number one is we have to take personal responsibility. If you don't take personal responsibility that, that it's, it's part of your job and your mission to go seek lost people, to go make disciples, then you'll never do it. Okay, we have to take personal responsibility and then we have to be available. I've learned that availability creates accessibility. When we show up to places and we're like, God, I'm, I'm just available. So whatever you want to do, I'm available. I'm ready. I'm yours. And then we ask God to speak and be careful of this one. But when you show up to a place, your, your job, wherever you might go, and you take personal responsibility, right? And, and, and you say, God, I'm available. And you say, God, Speak to me. If you want me to do something, if you want me to act, then God speak. Okay? And then if and when God speaks, then you respond. You got to take a step of faith. Faith is active. And that response might be just inviting them to church, inviting them to your small group. That might be paying for a meal. That might be telling that person about Jesus right there. God, God will, will do whatever he wants to do, but we have to take personal responsibility. We have to allow ourselves to be available. Ask God to speak and respond. Band, you can come on up. I was talking with one of my mentors this week, Scott Brugman, who's like the founder of Red Rocks Church, and he's the guy who just kind of gets you every time you talk to him. And I was kind of sharing this message with him, and, and he said, you know, Andrew, you know the greatest mind shift that a believer can have is when they can ask this question, not God, will you help me? But God, how can I help you? Let that sit for a moment. Right, we live our lives in this mindset of God, will you help me? And God, if, if you help me, I promise to make you famous. I, I promise to take you along with me. But there's, there's this mind shift, this perspective shift. When we say in every atmosphere I go into, not God, will you help me? 
but God, how can I help you? How can I serve your purposes? And God, how can I serve your kingdom? Here's a beautiful part of this, this whole message, and really what I wanted to get to. And I kind of mentioned it for a moment, but the reality is, is this whole thing, we're, we're one body, but we're many parts. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. That this whole battle, and call it a battle, I don't know, I like it because it just makes me feel like I'm, I'm ready. Here we go. Like this, this whole fight, it's a collective effort of the global church, the local church, and every single person involved who says, I am a follower of Christ. Think about this for a moment, those eight kids that accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at that event. There had, had to have been, I, I won't know on this side of eternity, there had to have been people that had been trying to make a difference in those kids' lives for years, potentially. And I just happened to show up at a, at a specific time in their lives, and I, I gave an invite. But then someone had to drive them there. They show up, and there's youth volunteers greeting them at the door. There was a group of people who set up the environment, who set up the hot dog eating contest table, who went and bought the hot dogs. There was a person running sound, a person who programmed the lights. People who played in the band, someone who led them in worship, someone who preached a message, volunteers who prayed for those students. Like, come on, can, can, you, can you see that for a moment? That, that like, we, we are a family. You know how the world will, will know that we're disciples of Christ? How we love one, one another, how we engage with each other. The, the, the church reason is like, ah, like, come on, y'all, like, we're a family. We're all we got. And like, each member is important. And each family member has a role, and it's equally important. And, and each role can make a difference that this is not a solo effort, that we're in this thing together. Pastor Sean, I heard him say that we all have certain gifts, callings, talents, and resources. You take yours, and I'll take mine. And together, we can begin to expand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, can, can, I, can I encourage you if you're in a place like, I just don't really know where to start. Like, I, I, I feel that. I don't know where to start. Can, can, I, can I, like, give kind of like a shameless plug to, like, start here. Start at, like, the, the local church, Red Rocks Church, that we're one branch. Every single Sunday, thousands of people who are far from God trying to experience God need every single one of us. They don't just need a great band. They don't just need a, a great communicator. They need every single one of us. Start, starting in March, we're starting this new thing called Grow. And it's gonna give you an opportunity. It's, it's a two-week class where you're gonna get to hear more about the church. You're gonna see how you can find family. They're gonna take tests. We're gonna talk and, and, and you're gonna uh, discover purpose. You're hardwiring. And then we're gonna start creating opportunities for you to, to make a difference. But can I tell you that we need more people coming to church on mission. Right? We, we need more people every single Sunday where there are thousands of people coming here who are far from God and need to experience God. Like, we got to be ready. 
We gotta involve ourselves in the fight. Like, we, we can't just keep showing up every single Sunday and saying, God, will you help me? God, will, 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 you, will you follow me as, as, as I go do the things? God, will you come along with me? No, like, God, how can I help you? God, how can I serve you? Listen, you got a smile? We'll take that smile in a parking lot, right? Like, you, you are, you're addicted to coffee? Okay, great. We'll take you on the cafe team, right? You, you got energy to hold babies and serve kids so their parents can come in here and experience the presence of God? We'll take it. Listen, you got a heart for teenagers? You were a broken teenager at one point? All of us, you can serve on Wednesday night and pour into teenagers who desperately need the gospel of Jesus Christ. What do you have? We'll take it. At some point, we have to take a level of personal responsibility that it is not our job to find lost people. It's our job to help equip you to go be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. This is what the church is inside these four walls and outside these four walls. Can I tell you that you will never be more connected to your purpose than when you lean in to the things that God has called you to do and the things that God has called you to be. You feel purposeless like right now, you feel lost, confused, say, God, how can I help you? How can I get involved in the fight? And just watch as God begins to move in you, that your faith strengthens, that you find a new level of life inside you, amen. If y'all stand to your feet, let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for this room. God, I thank you for every single person that has sowed so much into Red Rocks Church, Lord. When I think about the past 17 years, and even before that, all the resources that people have used, time, talent, abilities, their story, and God, you've used it all. That over 6,000 people who were gonna spend eternity away from you last year are now gonna spend eternity with you. Jesus, like, help us. Help us to see, Lord, when we were lost, when we were broken, Lord, help us to see the moment, Lord, remind us of the day of our salvation. Remind us of the moment that we were lost and we needed a savior. Remind us of the moment, Lord, where you came down and you reached out your hand and you pulled us out of the difficult situation that was life. God, remind us, give us a new heart. Lord, that in our cities, in our workplace, in our homes, we're surrounded by broken people and we have the antidote. With heads bowed and, and, and eyes closed, you're in this room, at any one of our locations, you're at God Behind Bars, you're listening online, can I tell you that the past 17 years, a bunch of broken, messed up people, thousands of people have come together to create a space where you would come sit in this room right here, that God has taken your entire life, the good, the bad, the ugly, and he has orchestrated the entire thing to get you in this room right now so you have an opportunity to respond to him. You're in this room, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're saying, Andrew, I wanna start that today. If that's you in this room, would you raise your hand so we can pray for you? Come on, all over the place. Click that button online, God behind bars. Come on, praise Jesus. Let's celebrate with those people that accepted Christ today. Hey, we love y'all. Let's give Jesus all the glory, honor, and praise he deserves, amen.